This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. How is it going? It's okay. I'm in a I'm in a New York state of mind. I don't know about you today. <laughs> I'm I'm awake. You're in Texas. I am in Texas. I think that genuinely is a description for like anything related to me at any time. How are you in Texas? But also, I feel like it's illegal to have a New York state of mind if you're in Texas. Mm. Like, I just maybe maybe it's because King of the Hill has taught me that if you have a New York license plate or anything that says I love New York, you're just going to get run over by uh, a guy on a lifted truck. Or a Tesla truck. It's entirely possible that one or both of those options is true. Also, that cyber truck is the stupidest thing ever. Like, I am, I. You you saw one on the road. I did. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably the wildest part to me is that I've actually seen one in, in real life. And they're, it they're, they're, they're so weird. In the wild, just driving know, along right? a freeway that's insane they look very strange and extremely out of place in case anyone was curious oh. they're 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 oh god it it they don't look like cars they don't they look like they look like something <laughs> that somebody who is a big fan of tron <laughs> want to make for real life like put around their car and they're just like, yeah, this is fine now. Yeah, like this is this is just my look now. I don't know. No, it's very angular. It just, it just doesn't look like a real thing. I mean, it. I think that the um, Tesla Cybertruck represents excess in all forms, which kind of relates a little to the movie that we're talking about today in that uh this also takes place during a time of excess the 80s it's true <laughs> we are going to the 80s and we are what are we doing in the 80s well do you want me to get into a summary let me set the stage yeah let me just grab my aviators yeah get your aviators get it on all right Transport yourself to the glamour of New York City in 1988. No. The streets were filled with the aromas of hot, semi-edible meats and tons of loose garbage. Legendary porn theaters of yesterday were alive and thriving. Voices of all nationalities were telling each other to fuck off. And a young Jerry Seinfeld was about (laughs) to launch the sitcom of the decade about absolutely nothing. Truly a magical location perfect for a kid's movie about cute animals. Literally pitched by animator Pete Young in a 1985 pitch meeting as Oliver Twist with Dogs, we're talking about the late 80s classic Oliver and Company. Woo! This is a movie that screams 80s from the moment you see a dog wearing sunglasses and knocks you over the head with it when the dog opens his mouth and Billy Joel's voice comes out. 
The plot revolves around an adorable <laughs> orange kitten named Oliver, who is, as movie tradition dictates, the last abandoned kitten from a litter that was left in a cardboard box on the street. Oliver is adopted by the streets and then by Dodger, who artfully cons Oliver into helping him trick our most noble of street meat purveyors, the hot dog cart man. <laughs> Dodger inadvertently leads Oliver back to his sweet-ass houseboat where he lives with his gang of diverse dogs and their hapless homeless human, Fagin. Turns out, Fagin is in a spot of trouble with a debt collector who moonlights as a refrigerator, Sykes. Fagin is told that he needs to pay back whatever mystery money he owes Sykes in three days or mystery consequences will happen. <laughs> Probably death, definitely torture. This kid's movie details torture more than you'd expect. Anyway, let's cut to some cute dogs teaching a kitten insurance fraud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Through the magic of fake tragedy, we're introduced to Jenny, who isn't Penny from The Rescuers, even no. though there was one point where she was Penny, because this movie was being designed as a sequel. Uh, but nope, it's Jenny, and Jenny quickly adopts Oliver and gives him the home he deserves. But all is not well, and in a series of misunderstandings and hijinks that take a few hours in the movie to resolve, but maybe about 20 minutes in real time to play out, <clears throat> Dodger's gang accidentally kidnaps Oliver, which leads to Fagin concocting a plan, a poor plot to ransom money from a child, which leads to Sykes deciding Fagin's plot needed more kidnapping and takes Jenny, which leads to Dodger and gang rescuing Jenny, which leads to Sykes going into berserker mode and literally driving into a subway to re-kidnap Jenny, which then leads to Sykes' car being nonchalantly shoved off a bridge in a subway car and nobody reacts because it's just another day in New York City. Cue Alicia Keys' Empire State of Mind. Of course, Dodger, Oliver, and the gang all come out unscathed. Oliver gets to live with Jenny in the lap of parental neglect luxury, and Dodger gets to go back to standing on the street and yelling, Rough, rough, I'm Dodger, the rocking dog, or whatever. Bark, 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 bark. Bark, bark, bark. <laughs> and that's Oliver and Company. That's definitely that movie. That is that movie. 80s as fuck. <clears throat> Like everything about everything to do with it is profoundly eighties. Like we we essentially start off with a guy in high tops with a boombox. We we do. We essentially do. Like I think it's also even before we get into this movie, because we're gonna have to talk about our relationship with it. Mm -hmm. One thing that I notice is that this is like the first Disney movie that has a lot of heavy celebrity promo. That's fair. Like this is this is the description of the movie on Disney Plus. Listen to how much plot is described in this description. Oliver, a feisty young cat, explores New York in this animated classic featuring unforgettable songs performed by Billy Joel, Huey Lewis, and Bette Midler. Mm -hmm. Joined by hilarious characters, Oliver knows he's found lifelong friends and a real home. That's it. That's not a plot. <laughs> it's a statement. It's a statement, and it's definitely telling you, hey, do you like Billy Joel, Huey Lewis, and Bette Midler? Come see this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely did, because, you know, previous movies, well, they had celebrities, but it wasn't like, oh my god, come out to see this celebrity. This was tapping into th names that were popular at the time. 
Yeah, which coincidentally are names that we like still actually recognize today. Yes. Um, I mean, maybe maybe this is partially our modern day glasses. And, and when Cinderella first came out, the names that they announced uh, were massive draws to the <laughs> cinema, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I feel like this movie <laughs> is very uh, corporate. A little bit. And um, I'm sorry, but this intro song sucks. <laughs> the big intro. Mm. But what... What do you remember of Oliver and Company as a kid? Like, what was your relationship with it? This is another one that I owned. And I remember kind of liking it. There's moments of it that I really like. And then there's moments of this movie that I find extremely boring. So I would watch it, but there was definitely points where I would kind of be like rolling around on the ground waiting for something more exciting to happen. And I still, I, I you know, I, there's catchy tunes. It's a fun movie, but there's, there's a lot of empty um, moments of plot. Yeah, I think there's a lot of soullessness. Yeah, um, in this movie. What's your relationship with it? I'm having a really hard time remembering this movie, like as a kid. I definitely watched it. It definitely is like, I mean, there's no way I wouldn't have seen this movie. Um, I had an orange cat as a kid, so there was an interesting point where, uh, there's a moment where Jenny and Oliver have a song, and yes. for some reason emotions kept flooding back to me so I must have had like mm-hmm. a really big relationship with that and thinking of my my little orange cat but I don't really remember mm-hmm. this movie <laughs> um but I feel like I experienced this movie <laughs> I think that's fair yeah I've definitely seen it yeah yeah I've I've absolutely seen it I just don't think it had that big of an impact on me but it did yeah me, this but again i didn't own very many movies so i remember having this one mm-hmm. which makes sense but like you said so the opening track is uh billy joel's once upon a time in new york city and actually performed by huey lewis oh it's huey lewis oh whatever i don't they sound the same to me really and i think the two of them um as singers do sometimes sound the same to me like they have the same type of songs to me (laughs) sure but i hate this song i'm sorry it's boring i hate this song too and we're watching it over um the heartbreaking montage also yes of of kittens of a bunch of little kittens in a box getting adopted. adopted Except for the one orange kitten. Yes, he gets left behind to die. Yeah, which I don't necessarily know if that makes sense because he was the most friendly too. It's weird. Yeah. But yeah, that's the entire um, montage of this. It's just the kitten almost drowning in the rain and <laughs> almost being eaten by some wild demodogs. <laughs> yeah. And then surviving long enough overnight um Mm -hmm. to get to jam to some sweet hip-hop coming out of a kid's boombox yes as this kid uh hip-hop ish dances down the street yeah like it's so hard to to not want to just say this movie is so bloody 80s like every five minutes but it is so 80s you guys it's so 80s every Every single outfit looks stereotypical 80s. It looks 
like any minute now you're going to get somebody saying cowabunga dude it's entirely possible but yeah everything like as you said all the details in this movie the cars the outfits the hair everything is extremely 80s but not only that but it's also like extremely um oh new york is the greatest city in the world type Mm -hmm. of of thing like sorry to anybody so we're street art here yeah. Hey, I'm walking here. Let's see how many New York City stereotypes we can fit into one movie. Hey. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but this is where we meet the hot dog man and Dodger. <clears throat> yeah. It's the next uh, morning. The next morning, we see the most hideous sausage vendor in the world. <laughs> yes, he has a face that could just traumatize children for your life. A face that only a blind mother could smack. Uh, yeah, and he he's very unsympathetic to cats. Yeah, and this poor Oliver, all he wants is a little bit of food. Just a um, little bit, but the but but Lou the guy's name is Louie. He chases him away. He chases him away. But luckily we see Dodger, the coolest dog around. Just lounging about. on a car a trash can i think trash can there is there is a theme in this movie though with dogs basically using new york cars as uh surfboards like they just kind of jump onto the cars yes and it's all fine yeah it's all fine i think to new york i don't remember a lot of dogs jumping across car roofs do you no, and also, like, Leto has a hard enough time standing up in the car when the seats are cloth underneath him. I can only imagine what he would be like trying to stand on that slippery-ass top of a car. He'd just fall down. If dogs <clears throat> actually acted like this in New York, the streets would be paved with dog blood because they would all just be falling off and getting run over. Oh, yeah, it would be a lot. <clears throat> but it's not masker. Not for Dodger. Dodger's got plans. He somehow manages to use Oliver as a distraction to steal... Louis hot dogs and then refuse to give any to Oliver and then launches into this uh as you said taxi surfing solo yeah and actually this is a song that I chose oh, I love this song which is why should I worry which is really fun there's a lot of fun songs there is my allergies are crazy, so I might not be able to do this very well, but I'm gonna, I love this song. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. One minute I'm in Central Park. Then I'm down on the Lancy Street. Set from Bowie to St. Mark's. There's a syncopated beat. Right. I said, woo, 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 woo. I'm streetwise. I can improvise. I said, ooh, 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 ooh. I'm street smart. I've got New York City heart. Why should I worry? Why should I care? I may not have a dime, but I got a street savoir faire. Why should I worry? Why should I care? It just be population, and I got a street savoir faire. Yeah, 
such a fun song. I've been it's kind of just, singing that all morning. I, it's been in my head. And yeah. Yeah. It is not going to get out for a bit, but it's just like, mm-hmm. I, I'm cool with it. Same. I, I really just objectively like that song. Yeah. I, I remember, you know how you talk a lot about these songs um, uh, coming back to your mind because of the like sing-along tapes that you had as a kid. Yes. This is one of those that I remember strongly. Mm-hmm. Like I remember this song more than I remember this movie. It's really prominent because it was also really widely promoted. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. When the movie came out and when it was re-released, because it was re-released in 1996 along with a re-release of the soundtrack on CD. Yeah, and that that makes total sense to me. But I also think that the other reason that I remember the song, yes. Is because we get to watch uh, Dodger going through New York City um, on a car. On a he, within two minutes, this mm-hmm. dog. Uh, basically, of seeing this dog, he gets a uh, sausage scarf, uh, sunglasses, and is surfing through New York City on a car, like a real champion. He's talking about how he can't give a shit about anything. Meanwhile, Oliver is literally climbing up drain pipes and falling uh, down sewer grates trying to catch up with Dodger because he just wants a hot dog. He wants my sausage. He does, but Dodger's not going to give him any. Instead, he's going to give them all to his buddies who live on a riverboat. They live down by the river. Oh my god. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah, they got a whole gang of dogs, which I'm, like, not opposed to this exact um, setup. I don't know if I'd want to live in, like, that house barge, because it's pretty fucking gross. But there is a Great Dane named Einstein. There is a bulldog named Francis. Francis. Not Frank. Not Frankie. Francis. Um, A Saluki named Rita, who I'm going to talk about in Streets of Gold. And Cheech Marin as Tito. It really Cheech Marin is Cheech. Yeah, it's just Cheech Marin. Like this is Cheech. Cheech the dog. <laughs> Let's be fair. Yes, uh, as a Chihuahua. Yeah. And Dodger comes in and is like, "I brought you dinner and a story." Yeah, I want to. I want to say before <laughs> that because we we do get introduced to all of these dogs and their like little personalities and what they're doing there. True. And and Francis, the proper British bulldog, is watching Shakespeare. He's watching Macbeth specifically. Or Macbeth. Yeah, he's watching Macbeth. Um, I feel like this was a missed opportunity for Disney to show like Sleeping Beauty or one of their classic British Disney movies. The Great Mouse Detective could have been on. Well, later on, um, what's his name? Uh, Tito sings hi-ho. We do get that. And also, uh, previously when we watched Dodger running through New York City and not caring, we got a lot of uh, cameos of yes. other Disney dogs. You're right. Yeah. We got we saw Pongo. Um, um, Jacques. Mm-hmm. Who else? There, were there was a couple more. The tramp. I know there were a couple more, but my mind's absolutely blanking out right now. Yeah. Oh, um, Pongo, Jock, Trusty, Peg, Roger, and Peg. Aurora. Interesting. Where, where I didn't did see Aurora, Aurora show up. Yeah. I bet you if I Google it, it'll tell me, but I'm not going to because I don't want to. <laughs> Somebody else tell us. Yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, 
Dodger is like, here's your dinner. And I'm going to tell, and he starts telling them this story about how he had to fight off basically Cerberus to get these hot dogs for them. Right. And of course, like, who comes in, who comes rolling in to destroy this story? Literally crashing in from the ceiling. The tiniest orange little furball. Oliver. Um, Such scary. Much meow. And it's extremely funny because everyone immediately starts laughing at him and they start rizzing Dodger like, oh, hey, look at your big scary monster. Here it is. They were also surprised about a cat following a dog, too. Yeah, to be fair, I can, I can understand why they'd be confused. Yeah. But then we get we get some hijinks, like you said, as they're they're kind of uh, teasing each other. Uh, and then we get the human, uh, which is down on his luck, Fagin, uh, played by Dom DeLuise. Yep, good old Dom DeLuise. Good old Dom DeLuise, um, also from Fievel. <laughs> yes. Um, but he uh, comes in with a thing of dog biscuits and is explaining to these dogs that Sykes is going to be here any minute and he doesn't have anything for them. But the dogs don't care. They just tackle him anyway. You think of an interesting relationship with Fagin. So Fagin, Fagin presumably has rescued all of these dogs and takes care of them as his own. And the dogs take care of him by helping commit acts to of pay petty off theft. his debt. Yeah, <laughs> they're the act of petty theft to help him pay off his mysterious debt that he has with truly, truly the biggest man in New York City just by size. Oh, my God. He's also voiced by um, Robert Loja. Robert Loja. Hello. R, as in Robert Loja. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... I want to know how much money he owes Sykes because the way that Sykes is acting, it sounds like a considerable amount of money. It's not like a couple hundred bucks. He is acting. We learn later on that he's willing to extort a family by kidnapping their child. So this is a man who is looking for, like a rich family. So he, this is a man who's looking for cash. Yeah. This is such a, a weird, um, convenient plot that they made for this movie like the way that they turned oliver twist into oliver and company to modernize it and all of that Mm -hmm. because it doesn't really make sense as to why sykes is kind of obsessed with fagan (laughs) it no i mean again we we find out that it's because he owes him a lot of money but it's sort of like how much money and where did the money go because it clearly wasn't into a place to live or anything so What's happening here? Because he is quick to be very violent, Sykes. Yeah. I guess we're going to say it's a bad investment. Maybe it was the houseboat. Maybe. I do also like, sorry, I forgot that when Oliver falls through the ceiling and scares all the dogs, uh, Tito starts yelling, gang war, gang war. God. Yeah. I will say there were some stereotypes here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> We get down and there's the Dobermans, Rosker, Rosker, Roscoe and DeSoto. And they're, one of them is hitting on Rita. <clears throat> yeah. He does so. Francis hits him with a great insult, which is, isn't it rather dangerous to use one's entire vocabulary in a single sentence? <laughs> it's true. It, like, it's right. It is dangerous. Um, it is. 
And yeah, these Dobermans belong to Sykes because we have to have evil dogs. Yes, uh, that happen. They're, they're rival rival dog packs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Of course. Also, yeah. Georgette has makeup, or not Georgette? Sorry, Rita. Well, Georgette does have makeup. We'll get to her, but um, all of the dogs have makeup. <laughs> Girl Rita dogs has have makeup. makeup. Yeah, Rita has makeup. Um, I guess. Fagan gets an extension on his loan, so he comes back in, and the dogs try to make him feel better by doing two things. Number one, they introduce him to Oliver, which is cute. And number two is they feed him a milk bone, which I think is, even in my desperate state, I don't think I'd eat that. Yeah, now I'm wondering if it was drugs. The money was for drugs. Also (laughs) an extremely valid point, possibility. maybe booze at this point, but... One of the two... Something that that makes you go, you know what? I I can eat I can eat a milk bone. This is why not? We're here. We're here in our life. I will say though that um, the moral of this movie comes in at the twenty four minute mark when they're doing all of that when they're trying to take care of Fagin, um, because the moral of the movie to me ends up being uh, you're never alone when you have pets. They love you and will do anything for you. Like. You're richer because you have pets. <laughs> I mean, I feel that way, but neither of my dogs have ever stolen anything from me. Well, isn't that nice? I know. But um, Bacon takes them to New York City to steal for him again, and um, he sets them free into the city with the line, Dead men do not buy dog food. <clears throat> He's not lying. No. Like, that's good motivation. Um he also only has so Sykes tells him that night that he has three days to get the money yeah to get the money the next day he says I have two days I guess that previous day counted that's what I was a little confused about but regardless the movie this movie plot moves a mile a minute because yes yeah, suddenly they're downtown. Uh, we get to see the Twin Towers in the skyline, just to remind you of when this movie was made. Oh my god, yes. But uh... Uh, And they they start teaching the cat insurance fraud, and they are so excited. They are, but before they teach him insurance fraud, we get another song called Streets of Gold, which is sung by... Gosh, where? Here we go. Cheryl Ruth Pointer. Nope, oh, it's Ruth, Ruth Pointer, one of the Pointer sisters. And yeah. I have no problem with having a different singing voice and a different speaking voice, but the... Okay, I'm going to do my best impression of the transition. I don't remember the line she said, but it was like, oh, Dodge, lay off him. We got to clean you up, child, and get you some on-the-job training. It is It is a little um, harsh. <laughs> it is incredible because it goes from this oh dodger i'm i just talk in this soft sweet whispery eva gabor style thing and by the way i will say that both of these women are black women yeah um voicing the same character but they're so drastically different it goes oh dodger lay off him hey there i'm the pointer sister like uh, that was a really abrupt switch and it honestly might have worked better if they didn't have Ruth Pointer speak at all. If they just went into the, ooh, yeah, 
because some people's singing voices are really different than their speaking voices, but having her sing talk really called attention to that because they could have had the original actor just go, we've got to clean you up and get you some on-the-job training. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of a lack of education. Like the kind way of, that but there's that was like, voiced and sung by the same person, at least. Yeah, it was the same person, but the same like sudden, like kind of weird um, cutover from this more calm talking voice to this more excited sing talking voice, um, yeah. which in this case, yeah, is because we're jumping from person to person. Yeah. And Ruth Pointer has an amazing voice, by the way. Yeah. Like she's this the song. I don't love the song, but her performance is excellent. Yeah, this song just totally went out my my head. Like, I completely forgot that this song existed. Right after this forgettable song for Gally is when we get the insurance fraud, because this is where they see the fancy, fancy limo driven by Winston with little Jenny Foxworth in the back. And they're like, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, this is another mm-hmm. plot line that I felt was very wedged in. Just, Just the fact that Jenny exists we need her to come into this story somehow how do we get her in here oh let's have the dogs pretend to get run over by her limo and then hotwire the limo to presumably (laughs) steal it yeah i wasn't quite understanding the uh angle here i was thinking more like you hurt my dog now you pay me money for his bills that's what I was thinking too. Um, but then what happens is we have Einstein, who is dumb, and I guess the one that they've sacrificed the most for all these things. Yeah. Actually get hit by the car. Francis goes over to chew the scenery harder than Vincent Price just did in The Great Mouse Detective. Yes, he took um, every Shakespearean performance he'd ever seen and crammed it into these three seconds. Yeah, all all of them on top of each other. It was a layered performance, like an onion. Uh, yes. <laughs> then... Or like an ogre. Or like an ogre. Then we get Tito, the chihuahua, and Oliver, the cat, going into the dog... Going into the dog. Going into the car, <laughs> where Tito is hot-wiring, presumably, the limo. The limo. They don't explain how this tiny dog's going to drive it off. No, and they also, Oliver's the one who initially points it out, but Jenny's still in the car. Oliver's like, there's a little girl in the back here. And Tito's like, shut up! Yeah, which, do we want to get into the parental neglect that that Jenny has to suffer from? Oh my gosh, nah, yeah, actually right now, because right beforehand is where she read her letter. So little Jenny is reading a letter out loud where her parents are basically like, we just flew from Paris to Rome for the conference and we're not coming home for your birthday. Yeah. And she seems disappointed, but not like, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, oh, again, yet another broken promise. Okay. Yeah. And a spoiler alert to the end of the movie where we celebrate Jenny's birthday and then mm-hmm. literally on the day of her birthday her parents call and are like hey surprise we'll be back tomorrow yeah not the day of our kid's birthday the only yeah. kid we have by the way tomorrow presumably these guys are rich as fuck and oh yeah it's extraordinarily bizarre that they have the ability to come home early but not early enough 
This just tells you how much they care about being parents because they let Jenny do whatever she wants. Um, cause so Oliver gets stuck in the car and they end up back at the Foxworth house and mm-hmm. Jenny's parents call. And Jenny basically immediately is like, I found this cat and I want to keep it. And they're like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, sus- I suspect the conversation went like this. Hi, mom and dad. Oh, hi, Penny. Wait, no. What's her name? What's her name again? Katie. Jenny. Jenny. Jenny? Jenny. Hi, Jenny. How are you doing? Oh, I really good. I found this adorable orange cat, mom and dad. Um, I was thinking I could keep it. Do we have to do anything? No, I'll take care of him. Okay. Great. Keep it. All right. Bye. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, they, they allow this. And here is where two things happen. We find out that Jenny's cooking is fascinating because what she makes for him is oeufs à la Jenny avant Coco Crispy, which means eggs Jenny style with Coco Crispies. So this is what she is feeding a kitten. Number one. And number two, oh, we meet Georgette. Ooh, we meet Bet Bet Midler the dog. Whose room I still want to this day. I as a dog, her bed is incredible. As a human, that bed is incredible. Yeah, her bed is. Um, what was the Marilyn Monroe days. movie? Oh, I don't know. The, a lot the, of Marilyn Monroe movies, friend. The literally the one uh, where she's talking about diamonds are a girl's best friend. So oh, when she's Jesus. walking down that spiral staircase, that set piece is what Georgette. Gentlemen prefer blondes. That's it. That's it. That's what Georgette's bed reminds me of. That exact set piece. Yeah, and it also has like, as you said, spell Jerry, it has the curtains around it that ra- oops, raise in time. They raised gracefully, and she walks down her stairs to this massive heart shaped mirror. The which, again, individual. I want. Yeah. I, she, she has the best room, and I, I do particularly enjoy the song that she sings too. I do too. Perfect isn't easy. Perfect isn't easy, but I not only when, do... Oh. I was like, I think when I was little, this was my favorite song. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. I had to <laughs> capture her her face at the very end of it because she's like, oh, I'm so gorgeous and pure I perfection. love in her, I love in the song, all her little... Oh. Ugh. She just strikes that dramatic, like, bosom out pose. Yeah. she She truly was... Bette Midler in dog form. So good. And speaking of makeup, we see her putting on a big old thing of divine style blue eyeshadow right on them lids. First thing in the AM. She does just glob it on. It looks like blue colored geisha makeup. It's thick and it's thick and globby paste consistency. And she just like flomp on both eyelids. Yeah, and she's a poodle, so apparently yes. she's also had her hair, her her fur in curlers. Yes, which she just like an ins like a fucking tic tac tic tac tic tac star just shakes out and has a perfect blowout. Shut up. <laughs> she so as part of the song too, um, we get to watch Georgette uh, traverse around her room and her household with a bunch of bird friends, including yes. her closet. Yes, she has a closet and a changing screen. She has all of these things. Why does this dog need costumes? I don't know, but she also has another dog bed surrounded by, like, photos of her admirers. 
yeah and speaking of and part of this she gets into costume as part of the song goes out to see her admirers teases them and is like you boys can't have me you're barking up the wrong tree and throws the rose she was holding for four seconds to them yeah and then goes back in and takes off the costume that she put on exactly it was just for her public which is what winston says when he turns on the lights for georgette he comes in the room and goes georgette your public awaits i have i have a really important question for you okay why aren't we seeing more furry drag queens that are inspired by georgette i don't fucking know dude i just want to even see a human drag queen who goes for that like blue super poodle like bouffant and the heavy blue eyeshadow and then does the sort of dramatic bet midler kind of but everything from the doorknobs down is mine hey hey rupaul because we know you're definitely listening to this podcast get us a georgette obviously give us give us a night of a thousand disney bitches where everyone has to dress as dogs i'd actually not even just not even dogs but i would love to see people have to do like a modern take on like obscure disney characters like you can't do ariel everyone knows what ariel looks like yeah so no no cornbread jeté dressing as both beauty and the beast that's way too mainstream no you gotta do like some georgette thing you gotta be alone can i ask would radigan be too mainstream no i think okay, that counts I, as i've I never seen this. that before i would love to see a drag king do a human version of some sort of Radigan deal. I think that'd be if, pretty awesome. If we ever if we ever uh reach the queer fan base that we are going for with this podcast, yeah. then maybe that will be a thing that we can put together. Dude, I would love to put together a Disney themed drag show. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. That'd be awesome. I don't think we'll have enough time, like on a serious note, I don't think we'd have enough time to orchestrate it before this summer. Um, no. <laughs> Here, well, I was going to say because of the regionals deal, but there is also a huge drag scene in both your area and mine. So I don't see why this is not a thing we couldn't do in the future if we just raised enough funds for it. This is true. Let us know. Yeah, Let your that's... voices be known. Email us at damselswhodiscuss at gmail.com. Are yeah. you interested in Disney drag? Yeah. Kings and queens, by the way. Yeah. I don't discriminate. But for now, getting back to the movie... Oh, Georgette yeah. comes down and her epic solo is done. Her epic solo is done and unfortunately sees Oliver eating the food that he was fed out of her bowl. <laughs> and this is where Winston gives her an initial warning where he's like, I wouldn't go in there if I were you. But he's on the phone with, um, it turns out it's like Jenny's parents or something. Oh yeah, this is the phone call um, where Jenny goes and like, can I have, is like, can I have this cat? Yeah. Yeah, that happens. That happens during the Georgette meeting Oliver thing that you were talking about. Yeah, so so that's happening. They're meeting each other. Georgette is of course threatened because she thinks that Oliver is going to take her stuff. So she says, under no uncertain terms, the house may be owned by the humans, but everything in here is mine. Her exact quote is, "Well, it may be Jenny's house." But everything from the doorknobs down is mine. I own 51% of the Foxworth house. And then that's when Jenny comes in and is like, great news, Georgia. 
We're keeping him. Yeah, great news. Everything you said is wrong. <laughs> Shouldn't two things. Shouldn't Jenny be in school? Um, I think as we have already established, her parents are extremely neglectful. Yeah, so... but you think they'd have either tutors or a fa- Oh, she does go to school. <clears throat> she does? Yeah, she goes on the school bus. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Because that's when the kidnapping takes place. Yeah, because we see Jenny and Oliver having a wonderful, presumably, afternoon where they but have a cute star. That happens before she goes to school. So that's I, my notes right here actually say, what is the timeline? You're like, this is only a few days. Yeah, it's really only a few days. So I think what's happening is um, Jenny finds Oliver in the morning. Uh, they have the song Good Company where we get the montage of them playing together in Central Park and her getting him his little collar and all of his other little cat things. How do you have time for that before school? Um, but I don't... Yeah, because they don't show him overnight. That's what I was thinking, is that that all happened the first day that she gets him. And then overnight... She the nighttime happens. Then then the next morning she goes to school. And by that's then fair. that's when Dodger and yeah, all of he, the other dogs come. Maybe she found him on a Sunday or something, because she was with this cat the whole day. She gets permission to keep him and then immediately goes and buys what looks like a personalized silver bowl and gold name tag. Yeah, that specifically says that he's a Fifth Avenue cat. I don't know if I'd advertise that. But also again, I also like if your cat gets out, how else are they going to find you? You didn't have cell phones back then. I mean, it's just a it's just a cat collar. I don't think it's any. No, but any you know different. what I mean. Yeah, but it's like same um, day, same day, same day. She gets all of this stuff. Like this cat is is in with them, and then yeah, I think that we have to kind of assume that uh, the other dogs have spent the rest of that afternoon trying to get figure out where Oliver is and then talk about it at home figure out a plot yeah I think actually this does work out because you're right if Fagan is saying that he only had two days then we're on the first of two days where Oliver gets uh found his new home with Jenny Mm -hmm. and then the next day is when Fagan's time is presumably up and that is when he talks to Sykes and is like wait 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 I have a better idea because yeah this movie basically takes place over the course of three days then it really does it's it's insanely fast jesus yeah that's why i'm kind of like okay maybe it was like a sunday monday tuesday or something because she's definitely with oliver an entire fucking day as you said she takes him to central park they ride in a horse carriage they get ice cream he gets his bowl and his collar she sings him a song like there's a lot happening in that afternoon but then yeah the next day the gang arrives at the house after jenny has gone to school and the first thing they do is accidentally terrorize the shit out of Georgette. Well, they also, they kind of break into the house, too, by uh, yes. uh, getting Winston, who, I appreciate the fact that he was a wrestling fan. Like, they show Me, too. Well, they actually um, show, well, they, they they joking, not jokingly, but they are like, oh, God, they're accidentally, they think that he's a bad man beating up a kitten. Yeah. But then they go live, and he's just, like, beating up a thing of dough with a rolling pin while he's watching wrestling. Yeah, he's getting into the wrestling and like hitting the uh, hitting the pin against his hand. Like, come on, you know, do this move. Um, and they and the dogs manage to outsmart this man by getting him to go oh, yeah. outside and then locking the door behind him. 
Yes, using the same ploy as before, which is Francis being dramatic. Yeah, Francis, the same dog. Um, yes. And he didn't recognize I... him. I would have just been like, yeah, again. Yeah. And then, of course, all of the dogs go in and they're like, holy shit, this is an amazing house. We should move in like the 101 Dalmatians. And we cut to Georgette having a very angry conversation with herself in the mirror. She breaks her entire makeup counter extraordinarily. She breaks easy. her everything. Yeah. Because she does that cartoony thing where she fills up her entire mirror with perfume. And then when the perfume clears, Dodger's standing next to her. And instead of jumping backwards away from the mirror, she just launches herself directly onto the whole vanity. I, it looked like it was made of sugar glass. Like yeah, the it whole broke thing. that easy. Yeah. The whole thing shattered and went everywhere. And of course she does the the stereotypical, oh, a man's in my room. How dare you? Get out, get out, get out, get out. And fl- kind of flinging her hands. Mm-hmm. And I think more of the dogs uh, invade her room. And they're, oh, yeah, they're all in there with her. Like Einstein's eating her food. Yeah. This is what I wanted to ask. She has a box of bonbons. Are yeah, those dog safe bonbons? Because they look chocolate. You'd really fucking hope so. Because otherwise she'd be dead. But um, the eighties were a different time. I think. They were. But speaking of dead, I like that Rita has like one line this entire time, and she's looking at one of the pictures, and she goes, "Uh, sister, who's Rex?" Yeah. She calls her sister right away. She's like, "Babe, who is this?" As immediately, and also immediately, Tito is hitting on Georgette. Oh, it doesn't take hard. no as an answer. No, not in the slightest. And she also does not start to show him any affection for quite some time. So it's it's at this point that Georgette is like first threatened and like, oh God, get out of here, you horrible strangers. But then as mm-hmm. they talk about how they just want to rescue Oliver and take him home, she's suddenly like, oh, you want to take this cat? I oh yeah, I can me. show you the cat. Yeah, suddenly, suddenly everything, everything's good. Yeah. And in true uh. cat fashion... Oliver is just snoozing on a bed, just so peacefully. On a pillow in the sun. Yeah. And this is where Rita starts to have her doubts. She sees how happy he is, and she's like, we can't take him. And Georgette interjects, and she's like, no, you can't leave him here. You don't understand. He's so traumatized. (laughs) Take my cat, please. Well, she's in a hurry to get him out because Winston has come back and is looking for her. Yeah, so she's like, no, 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 quickly, quickly. Let's just shove this cat into a pillowcase yep. and take him. And they kidnap Oliver. And run out the fire escape. And run out the fire escape. And they get Oliver back to the houseboat. And Oliver is like, Why'd you, why did you kidnap me? I had it better at this place. I do have to say, like, for a little cat, he's doing his best to explain it as diplomatically as possible. He's like, no, it's not you guys. It's just... All I ever wanted was a family and they there was a family for me. And the line he actually says that kind of gets all the dogs on board with him is he, not except for Dodger, is he says there was a little girl and you see all of them immediately look kind of sad. And this goes into something that's going to happen in um, Lady and the Tramp 2, where I think it's kind of touching on that notion that a lot of people have, which is like, you know, dogs and most pets just want a home. And that's kind of true, because yeah. there is a scene in Lady and the Tramp 2, I'm cutting ahead, where one of the puppies of Lady and the Tramp is like, I don't want to live this house life anymore. And he runs away and is saying, you know, all he's ever dreamed of was his freedom to this, you know, other little girl dog. And she just exasperately screams at him, like, dreamed of what? 
this and she kicks over a trash can and scream and not just yells at him like you had a home and a family that loves you it's also the plot of no dogs or all dogs go to heaven wow yeah. no dogs go to heaven would <laughs> none of them do according to the catholic church but yeah. um Ooh. Ooh, but that's kind of what I thought of when this happened, where they it's like he managed to touch on the point that they understood, where it's like, you know, that that a home, a place for me. And that's yeah. where they the others soften, but Dodger is upset. Yeah, and how dare Dodger uh feel so maligned by this cat that he didn't really want in the first place, has known Less for than 24, about 24 hours. hours. Ago. Yeah, uh, how dare he that this cat is suddenly like, I have a better deal. Yeah, and once again, he was like, no, I like you guys. I like all of you. Yeah, but let's Dodger... hang out, but not 24-7. Yeah, uh, but Dodger is too busy having a fucking moment. He so really is. He, he's the one who's like, get out of here, and Oliver is going. He's leaving, but right as he's about to leave... Fagin comes back and to be fair Fagin didn't know he was on his way out he was just like aw and he does exactly what I would do which is like aw here kitty and just pick it up <laughs> yeah I'm like oh you're coming to greet me exactly Cat's like no but <gasps> in fairness to Oliver he doesn't fight him Oliver doesn't do anything no Oliver he's... is a potato Oliver is a potato of a cat but, but yeah Fagin picks him up and is like wait a minute what is this collar you have Oh, it says Fifth Avenue. Oh, this is a this is rich. I can ransom you. <laughs> yes, that's his plan because he assumes um, that obviously it's like a rich adult that owns Oliver, and so a note's delivered that reads or at least begins reading, "Dear Mister Rich Cat Owner Person." That's what Jenny reads out loud. <laughs> uh, Fagan, Fagan writes a note the same way that charlie kelly from it's always sunny in philadelphia writes like it's like, this yes barely literate give me money i have cat now don't send bird yeah it's basically as you said a very strangely worded and written ransom note and jenny's like all right i'm gonna take my extremely pampered poodle and head down to the docks to hand over uh, her piggy bank. Fucking Georgette uh, did not think that she would have to actually help Jenny out with this plan or do any work. But nope, she has to put on her matching pink rain hat and raincoat, which speaking of things that Georgette has that I want, I want <laughs> that too. Um, and she's got to go hike her unathletic self to the docks with jenny and so while they're doing this um we do get fagan and psych talking yes. to each other again where fagan explains to to, to psych um the hey this is my plan and i just want to say this uh so the scene where fagan goes to see sykes um in his place- like by the way, crazy warehouse with a million 80s style security cameras and yes. an 80s style security camera room. Yeah, so it's in this lair, which is this this 80s, 80s place. And my partner walked in at this point and just immediately complained about how the door that Fagan tries to enter through is not OSHA compliant. And to Jesus be- Christ, Matt. Matt, <laughs> where are you? 
Who the first you thing you is are they even in the room right now? Matt, <laughs> damn it, I'm yelling at nothing. I was like, what are you yelling at nothing? <laughs> I am um, yelling at nothing. But but in fairness, uh, in the scene, Fagan tries to pull the handle when Sykes is like, come in. And tries he it says push. Times. He says the first time he's like, push. Yeah, and Fagan doesn't, and he pulls. And and my partner did point out that like that door does have a pull handle and is supposed to pull to be OSHA compliant. So I do agree. <laughs> this is a criticism. I also agree that this is not a criticism for this movie. No, I just love that that's the thing that Matt walked in and was like, yeah, I'm zeroing in on the door handle here. I was zeroing in on the realism of how not OSHA compliant this movie is. And I'm like, that's the least of the problems of this movie. We are about to get into a big problem with this movie. (laughs) We are, but also this was the 80s. And I would not at all be surprised if they just did not give a single flock in fuck about what your door was like. This is very true. Um, I I also think that the... uh, New York transit system probably oh my should have God. given more of a more of a flying flock about uh cars okay, driving so in there. Before we get to that point, yeah. Jenny shows up with the world's most exhausted Georgette and is like, I want my cat. And Fagan sees that it's, you know, like a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. And immediately feels bad. Like fake throws Oliver into a bucket and is like <gasps> Oh my god, look what I found. I found a cat. I don't know. Is it yours? Yeah. Uh Fagan goes through a little bit of a um morality conflict. Yeah, crisis of conscience where when he discovers he's about to take money from a little girl. Yes, um, who has brought him as I said before, her bank, her piggy bank and is like this is this is what I have. Yeah, instead he's he's like, "No, okay. I I can't be that big of an asshole. I'm not the evil person here. That's Sykes. Yeah, and Sykes decides to show that off by, as soon as he realizes that the cat is no longer being ransomed, he shows up, takes Jenny immediately, mm-hmm. and tells Fagan that his account is closed. Yep. Proving to be more evil. Um, Earlier... Earlier, also, we didn't mention this, but Sykes is having a, a conversation on the phone about oh, uh, I wrote down the line. Yes, initially, when Fagan shows up to basically explain his catnapping plan, Sykes is like, "Hey, hang on, I'll be with you in a minute. I'm on the phone." Mm-hmm. And what he says to the person on the phone is, "You start with the knuckles. Well, you don't kill him yet. Well, the last thing you do is put on the cement shoes." Yeah. That's exactly what he said. I wrote it down verbatim. I also, I, it seems like he has a model of a ship. In, in he, the he, he does. Is and it the is, Titanic? It is not the Titanic. Okay. It is a warship of some kind. But <laughs> I do like how he is just casually building it while a dogfight goes on. And he sticks a dogfight because Fagin's plan is stupid. Yeah. And now cut to Sykes taking the little girl and saying this is now my plan i'm going to ransom her yeah because once fagan is like i'm gonna ransom the cat fagan's like uh sykes is like okay while the exchange goes down i'm gonna watch in my menacing black limo and then as soon as fagan's like oh no i'm turning into a moral person sykes drives up grabs jenny and yanks her into the car and just speeds the fuck off 
Yeah. And but, but, oh, before that, I uh, oh no, there was nothing before that. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 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 in. I'm thinking about a different scene. Um, but, but yeah, I think that this is this is when Jenny gets kidnapped, and yep. then we get to uh, have everybody hop on the chase. Yes, to go and rescue Jenny. To go and rescue Jenny. Um, I have to say, Dodger was incredibly calm for watching a little girl get kidnapped. Everyone was super calm for watching a small girl get kidnapped, except for maybe Fagan, who was appropriately freaking out. That's what I was going to say. Like, Fagan is the only one who understands, apparently, the gravity of this situation. Who's like, holy shit, all of this is very, very bad. Yeah, no, he starts feeling like, so, Sykes, no, don't do this. Like, (laughs) no, don't take this child. Because, you know, he's just heard this conversation about death and violence, and he's like, He's got a 10-year-old now. Yeah. I've made a huge mistake. Yes, but not but he, to fear. He has a little scooter that has, like, an attachment on the back of it that like all weird, of the dogs can fit in. Yeah, like the bed of a shopping cart. Yeah, like the bed of a shopping cart. Um, And he's like, come on, gang. Come well, on actually, the dogs run ahead of him, and he's left to play pickup. Oh, that's right. Catch yeah. up, and the dogs make it to this creepy warehouse again where they figure out you know Sykes has Jenny inside and we cut to inside and hear Sykes on the phone again but this time with Winston yeah actually negotiate yeah negotiating the ransom yeah actually ransoming her mm-hmm. um and this is this is also when uh the dogs are forming their plan Correct. to get Jenny out of the jam and they they end up distracting Sykes by having a couple of the dogs literally dress on top of each other and pretend to be a pizza delivery man complete with office chair as accessory complete with the office chair to get them tall enough and move around and they knock on the door and fagan says i didn't order any pizza oh yes sykes muttering to himself sykes not fagan yeah and uh that that works well enough and i have to say if sykes if sykes were at all intelligent he would have realized that it's the dogs does he himself go to check or does he send his dogs no he goes to check because what he says is um i didn't order any pizza and then he is going out to get his dobermans because he talks Hmm. about going over to the dogs because i think the pizza guy is guy quote unquote is gone and he's like all right i gotta go send out the dogs this is to investigate right 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 mm-hmm. but yeah he does that the reason that is because he sent out the um the dogs to go get to figure out basically what's going on and this is how somehow i don't even remember like how does jenny end up in his car like so oh okay so what happens is the uh there is a, a mess of conflict with the Dobermans and the Dodger gang. Yes, um, they have a big fucking fight. Yeah, but meanwhile, in, in the office, Jenny is getting released by some of the other dogs um, who they go through a bit of a, a weird chase in this uh, in this building where it's like a box factory or something and they're going down all of these mechanical areas. Yeah. Jenny still has her hands tied behind her back. And she's also tied impressive. to the chair at this point, right? I think they actually got, at one point they get her off of the chair, but she still has her hands tied behind her back. Because at one point she was still attached to the chair when they used yeah. like, that weird crane pulley system to get them out. 
Yeah, exactly. They use the weird crane pulley system, move them across, and then they kind of like dump them down. And I think she falls off of the chair. Her hands are still tied. But that's when Fagin rolls around to kind of pick them up. Yes, that's right. When he shows up. And then they all get into Fagin's car to try and drive away. They're being chased by Sykes in his yes, car. Yes, this is right. And then Fagin's like, I have a shortcut. I have a shortcut. He takes his little scooter, goes down the steps into a subway platform because a car can't fit down there. Especially an 80s car. Those things were fucking wide. This was a whale. This was a whale of a car. This was like a Cadillac. Huge. That that Sykes is driving. But somehow Sykes is like, bet. And he takes his gigantic Cadillac and drives it down the subway stairs and easily maneuvers it onto a actual uh, subway track. Through the turnstiles, by the way, somehow. Yeah, uh, maybe there were no turnstiles at this time Fair enough, I doubt but it. i thought we saw fagan going through the turnstiles but i guess they figured it would be too weird to show a car doing it so maybe they just didn't show it they don't yeah it was a very honestly this was very bad, badly planned out it's, it's it's intense it's because intense. as galley just said they end up on the tracks of the subway itself so this is when they are in the subway tracks fagan is a little bit before i think they hit a bump or something like that and yeah, he's ahead Jenny, i think yeah, and Jenny um, bounces out of Fagan's car thing, quote unquote, yes, onto right. the uh, roof of Sykes' car, or onto the roof hood of Sykes' hood. car, rolls onto the roof, and or he like grabs her or something like that. Yeah, he punches out his window. Yeah, and grabs her. I forgot about that. And his hand is like the size of Jenny. Jenny. Yeah, so he he yanks her in the car with ease because, of course, he does. Because of course he does. Hijinks continue to ensue as they are trying to to escape. Well, Oliver and Dodger end up in the limo to try to rescue Jenny. Yeah. Um, and Oliver and the Dobermans end up fighting. And then one after the other in the course of about 30 seconds, they get knocked off the car and just fried by the electrical systems. Yeah, the Dobermans do. The Dobermans yeah. do. Both Dobermans die immediately in this scene. Like, as I said, one after the other. And then... <laughs> As this chase is going on, we're getting yeah. out of the underground of the subway and onto a uh, bridge, like bridge across Hudson Bay. Yeah, I don't know exactly, but that's when we see another subway. Yeah, like that's when we finally train. have a subway coming toward, like a train coming towards us. Because I was yeah. expecting this to happen when they were in the tunnels. And the person who's driving, and person quote unquote, who's driving Fagan's little thing by now is Tito. Because Fagan is trying to grab Jenny from the hood of the car. Yeah, and Tito has, to complicate things further, Georgette on his back, basically, like kind of uh, putting her paws over his eyes, freaking the hell out, making it very difficult to drive. Exactly, and this train is coming, everyone freaks out, at like the last possible second, um, Dodger and Oliver get like thrown from Sykes' car, a bump flings Jenny up into Fagin's arms. Tito does some weird maneuver, which makes the scooter fucking jump out of the way of the train onto like a pipe. It goes, no, it goes onto one of the uh, cables that's holding up the bridge. Yes, but he jumps up onto it either way. Yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. Jumps. It jumps onto the cable and he, dr and he drives, drives the scooter it. up the cable. 
and we see Sykes in his car get smashed by a train in a fiery inferno. Well, not only does the train, it doesn't really smash him. It like hits him and knocks him off. Catches him in fire. Catches him on on fire entirely. And then it just kind of pushes him into the water. And he and he and he falls into the water on fucking fire. Yeah. And we see uh, Tito very slowly and very ably uh, backing the little motor car down the cable. And I just want to say all of this craziness that we described happened where there was about five minutes left to uh-huh. the end of the movie. Yep. <clears throat> and then dodger comes over and he's holding what looks like a very very limp cat a little ball of kitten little ball of kitten and everyone's sad for a second and jenny's holding him and she's gonna cry and then and then we realize that we have less than five minutes left of movie left and we can't prolong this too long so he just comes back to life exactly cute little meow and everyone's happy and literally the next panel uh uh, scene is whoops the next scene is Jenny's birthday. It's Jenny's birthday, you guys. It's birthday. Hey. Happy birthday to Jenny. Happy birthday, Jenny. I'm sure it's going to be smooth sailing for your yeah. last four minutes on Earth. She gets she gets a bunch of trash as presents from Fagan's dogs. That's uh, a great birthday. It is. Um, uh, Fagan loses a bet to Winston, who doesn't have uh, the money to pay. Winston takes the phone call you were talking about. Where the parents are like, guess what? We're coming home tomorrow. Yeah. And this was another like kind of cute moment where we get Winston and Fagan both watching wrestling together. Yes. So they, they're like now best buddies, I guess. I also love that Winston has a customer service voice because he's like, get it, get him, get him. And then as soon as the phone answers, Foxworth resident. Yeah. Speaking. It would have ah, only been very good, better. sir. It would have only been better if when he was uh, commenting on wrestling, he didn't have a British accent whatsoever. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, you black and white. <laughs> Not even that. Like, he's just speaking like a, like in a Boston accent or something. Like, he's been putting on the British accent. As, hey. Yeah. <laughs> what's some illegal moves going on out there? That, yeah, I don't know what accent that was. We're going to move on from that. New York. New York. We're going to move on from that. It's perfect. Great. Um, and then Fagan is like, okay, I need to leave then. I'm uh-huh. not going to help with cleaning up. And uh-uh. All of the dogs are like, all right, well, bye, Oliver. We love he's you. Like, but we'll we'll vi- you. I'll visit. Bye. Except for Tito. Uh-huh. Who's Georgette. Georgette is like, no, wait. I need you to come upstairs with me. And it's not for sexy things. It's because I need to clean you because you're a disgusting, dirty dog. Yeah, she's basically like, we need to groom you. And everything else up till this point... Her covering his eyes while he's driving, screaming in his ears. Everything has been fine. But the mention of a bath and a brush. That's that's over the line. And it's too much. We do see uh, Tito running out later with wearing his little Lord Fauntleroy type outfit. And everyone kind of giggles at him. Yeah. And he's like, nope, I can't. I can't be with a woman who's trying to clean me. Nope. So he and Dodger and company run off to play a... Uh a street surfer again well dodger dodger has the coolest uh of endings because all of the other dogs run off before him and dodger stays behind to say goodbye to oliver Mm -hmm. and then as a truck is passing by 
Dodger kind of like hops up without looking behind him onto the truck yep. and then just scoomies out of there. Yeah. Yep. And then Jenny waves Oliver's paw at them all goodbye as they hip hop their way across the New York City taxis. And we get a reprise. So I guess we know everyone's going to be A-OK. Exactly. Because why should I worry? Why should you worry? Why should you care? I don't know, but I care about something. What do you care about? I care about knowing whether or not you like this movie and whether you would recommend it. I'm so glad that you care. I'm so, so glad. I'm so glad that this is the only thing that you care about. The only thing I care about. Not our friendship at all. No, screw that. Um, I like our friendship. I liked it, but I'm about halfway with recommending it. Ah, uh, ouch. Um, no, I, I did, I did enjoy this movie. I think it was, I think it was fun. But if you like it, why do you only partially recommend? I will, I will personally say I've had a few of those too, where I'm like fifty-fifty, like it, and then don't recommend it, or vice versa. But yeah. if you liked it, why don't you recommend it to other people? So I'm about 50-50 in recommending it because Mm -hmm. I do think that it is too over-the-top 80s. Super fair. For the modern um, uh, landscape of, frankly, how depressing the world is. Um, But, but like, it's kind of fun to watch as, like, a a time capsule to just see how stereotypically 80s uh, New York was at this time period. to get to hear some fun jazzy songs and the plot is just so ridiculous and over yes. the top <laughs> yeah that's but, fair but what about you what were your thoughts did you like or did you recommend it i'm 50 50 on both honestly because i do there are moments that i like about this movie. like i love why should i worry just like i said earlier i objectively think that song is fun i like the scenes with bed midler but there are just so many moments of filler in it where it that to me is enough deterrent and it's not entertaining filler a lot of the times it's very it's just filler and it's for it's filler for the sake of filler and for that and i don't think that there is enough amazing to counter it i think that the best parts of this movie are um perfect is me and why should i worry and you can watch those both separately on youtube in under 10 minutes can i just say that that's a kind of big commentary to talk about how much filler is in this movie when we also talked about how this plot moves a mile a minute and only takes place over three days it's super weird and i also find it weird because we just talked about the great mouse detective and i was like just praising how there's no wasted time in that movie and how everything is so good and this one i feel like the i think the total run length is like a minute and 15 or something like that i feel like if they cut 15 minutes of material out of it it would have been fine an hour 15 yeah yeah if it was just an hour long there's just enough filler where it's kind of like you may you cut out 15 minutes of the nonsense and I think this actually would have been like great. Yeah, I think that this would have been better as like a TV movie. Yeah, maybe. Than than a feature length film. It just doesn't have the same like gravitas, I think uh, as we are starting to get into when it well, comes to, to Disney films. Yeah, because as we as we just talked about last week with Great Mouse Detective, and as we are about to discuss next week with Little Mermaid, both of those movies are just so big. Yes, yeah, very true. But yeah, as you as you have revealed, next week we are going to go under the sea so and finally talk about the movie that I think we've been mentioning in probably every other episode: The Little Mermaid. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm letting you all know in advance that this is a deeply personal movie for me for a lot of reasons. We'll get into that. I have a tattoo of Ariel. It's one of my best ones. Like, this is a very significant film for me. I really love it. It's going to be hard for me to be unbiased about it, but I'm going to try. Yeah, and, you know, for for fans of the show who might be wondering what the significant movie is for me, uh, well, that is Chicken Little. Alexia couldn't even keep a straight face while I said that. No, uh, <laughs> I've never actually seen that movie because every time I've tried to watch it, I'm just like, nah. Maybe I should have said Home on the Range instead. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Me neither. I'm I'm not actually excited about those. We're gonna get back to an era that I'm mad about. We're just not there yet. We're now in the in the area that I'm like, yay. Yeah. Right now we are in. We are in our era we are we are we are in our zone well i should probably get going because i haven't seen either of the dogs in a minute and i'm worried that they might be following a streetwise dog with a street savoir fair down the street that's fair i need to get going uh because i have a sausage scarf to knit sounds like we both got shit to do so so long glamour boys so long glamour boys Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crow's Nest's podcast. Your hosts are Gally Articola and Alexia Thurumalai. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damselswhodiscuss, all one word. On Instagram at instagram.com slash damselswhodiscuss, all one word again. And on Twitter at twitter.com slash damselswhodisco, because Twitter has a character limit. Or you can also email us at damselswhodiscuss at gmail.com. So long, Glamour Boys! So long, Glamour Boys! (laughs) 